Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. Do you need an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more? Make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of The Circle Opens can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order at any time. And it is always free shipping to the United States. That's Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you are all doing well. I don't have much King news for you today. Um, I am recording this episode a few days earlier than usual because as of Thursday morning, I will be jetting off on an airplane to visit some friends for the weekend. So I wanted to make sure I got this done and ready to go so it would still be um, on time for you guys on Saturday. And I think the only fun little thing that I noticed this week in terms of the stand was I follow Mick Garris on Twitter. And of course, Mick Garris was the director of the 1994 ABC miniseries for The Stand. And he had tweeted today, um, or I guess it was yesterday. um, What is today? Tuesday. (laughs) I'm completely off my rocker here. (laughs) He tweeted on Monday, um, what in the world could I possibly be doing in Vancouver? And that was it. And we know that uh, the stand for CBS All Access is currently filming in Vancouver. And um, there was a lot of speculation that maybe Mick is there to film a cameo for the stand. I don't know that for sure. He did not, um, you know, confirm or deny it. But it's kind of a fun little um, speculation there to see if maybe he's going to show up in the CBS All Access um, miniseries. It'd be kind of cool to see if King does a cameo for this as well, like he did for Spoiler Alert, It Chapter 2. Um, but that's basically been it uh, for this week. Um, I guess since I, I don't have anything to dive into in terms of King related news, I do want to take a moment to give a shout out to Sean, Courtney and Josh for your lovely reviews and kind words. I also want to take another moment to give a shout out uh, to a few other podcasts who have been really great in supporting um, The Circle Opens. Uh, Of course, there's Take 3, which is the fabulous movie podcast that I now have put into my weekly rotation. Um, Brooke Reading Pod, who has some amazing book reviews. And Melissa has recently released her review um, of It Chapter 2 in two parts. So please go check that out. I had a lot of fun listening to that last week at work. And also the What Does It Matter podcast, which is a podcast about anything and everything. So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, to you guys and anyone who is listening now, uh, please, please go check out these podcasts. Give them a listen. I promise you will not regret it. I'm going to go ahead and jump into um, chapter 24. And a quick recap of chapter 23 from last week. We met the dark man, Randall Flagg, as he walked along the road in the dead of night heading for Nevada. He is a man who has been around for a while. He has seen a lot and been responsible for a lot more. We got some backstory into the walking dude, where he came from, where he's been. um, And he's about to be reborn as Captain Trips decimates the country. And apparently um, in this rebirth, he can do magic. We didn't get a really, um, we didn't get a lot of, 
I guess, information about what kind of magic he can do, but he can definitely levitate. So I'm sure that we're going to see a little bit more um, of this magic in upcoming chapters. And so chapter 24, chapter 24 brings us back to Lloyd Henry. Lloyd is currently in prison awaiting trial for his role in the crime spree that he shared with Polk Freeman. Lloyd is being called the babyface, unrepentant killer by the newspapers. He is in a Phoenix municipal jail in their maximum security wing. And Lloyd is something of a celebrity there. Um, and he's very dazzled by his new fame. He's really getting into it. He's, you know, um, enjoying the attention. This is a big step up from the prison in Brownsville, uh, where he initially met Polk. And when you get to be, a, it says, when you got to be a heavy hitter, you got respect, at least from fellow inmates. So there are two guards who are leading Lloyd through the hall right now to meet with his attorney. One of the guards has a cold. I wonder what that could be. And Lloyd comments that he ought to be home in bed. So the guard tells him to shut up. And according to Lloyd, it was, quote, his experience that the class of prison corrections officers had no class. He calls another guard, fuckface, excuse my language, after the guard calls him a scumbag. And the guard tells Lloyd, you know what? You're going to lose a tooth for that. And this quickly shuts up Lloyd. And they take him to where his court-appointed lawyer is waiting for him. Uh, his attorney is a young man and one who barely looks old enough to be shaving. But you know what? Lloyd doesn't care. He's going to suck it up. He already knows he's going to go to jail for a long time, probably uh, 20 or so years. And sometimes you just to accept the fact um, that you're screwed. <laughs> you accept your fate. Lloyd tries to tell his new attorney that the guard threatened to knock out his teeth. And of course, the guard denies it. You know, oh, all they did was say hi. He said hi. I said hi. Lloyd is just um, beside himself because this is such a lie. Um, but he probably should have just shut up about it because I'm thinking that ratting on a prison guard to your attorney with the prison guard present is just going to lead to more trouble. Um, but Lloyd, as we have discussed in the previous chapter, um, I believe it was chapter nine where we met Lloyd and Polk. He is not the brightest bulb in the bunch. So the attorney says he'll count Lloyd's teeth before he leaves. And Lloyd, you know, starts to think maybe this guy is going to help him get 10 instead of 20. Seems like, like a decent fellow. And hell, maybe he'll even get time served because after all, he didn't kill anyone. Um, yeah, except for the wife of the man who owned the white Continental that they hijacked and stole. Um, but Polk did the rest of the killing. So, you know, Lloyd's thinking he's probably, you know, maybe this young attorney is going to help him get off. You know, it was it was Polk who pokerized everybody, and Polk is dead now too. So it's not like he's going to complain about having another murder pinned on him. So his attorney's name is Andy Devins. And Andy Devins is not going to, um, he's not going to be able to do much of anything for Lloyd at least in terms of getting him out early, because Lloyd, according to Devins, is in some deep shit. Devin keeps calling Lloyd Sylvester as he, lays it out, as he lays it out for him, and Lloyd is going to trial in nine days. The Supreme Court had a case called Markham versus South Carolina, which had to do with the conditions under which the individual states um, can best administer swift justice when the death penalty has been requested. And this just blows Lloyd's mind. It stuns him because he had no idea that the death penalty had been requested for him. He didn't kill anybody. 
Let's forget the fact that he did, in fact, kill somebody. And Devins tells him that it doesn't matter. He was there when Polk murdered those people. So if Lloyd was there, then he did it too. And Lloyd has forgotten all about his new fame. Um, He's forgotten about the jerky prison guards. He could go to the electric chair for what he and Polk did. And Devins then explains to Lloyd that there is no accessory for first-degree murder committed during a felony crime. There are three witnesses who will testify that Lloyd was with Polk, which essentially means Lloyd is a dead man. In regards to Markham versus South Carolina, the case was a debate over what cruel and unusual punishment meant in the Constitution, which, of course, forbids it. Did it mean the electric chair, the gas chamber, or did it mean the waiting between the conviction, sentencing, and execution? With the appeals, the waits, the delays, um, you know, with John Markham, he committed the rape and murder of three college co-eds, which was proven to be premeditated. And Markham was sentenced to death. His case went to the Supreme Court, who decided that the death sentence was not cruel and unusual punishment in, you know, certain circumstances. But basically, they believed that the sooner the better in terms of putting the convicted to death. Um, I guess they were, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what the thinking there was that, oh, it's cruel and unusual punishment to make them wait so long between being, you know, sentenced to death and being put to death. So Devins explains to Lloyd that he's being tried in Arizona rather than um, New Mexico or Nevada, two other states where they had committed these crimes, because Arizona is one of four states that has capital has a capital crime circuit court. And so this this capital crime circuit court, they only sit cases with where the death penalty has been obtained for sentencing. So this basically means that the trial is going to move a lot quicker than Lloyd thinks is going to move. Um, Arizona believes they have a strong enough case against Lloyd that they'll sit a jury on day one, present their case on day two. And Devins thinks that he can stretch his part of the trial for about three days And then he'll take his time with the opening and closing arguments, um, at least until the judge kind of makes him stop and get on with it. The jury will then retire. They will no doubt find Lloyd guilty in minutes. And Lloyd will quickly be sentenced to death. And then he'll be be put to death um, about a week later because of these Markham versus South Carolina guidelines. So the wheels of justice for Lloyd will be moving damn fast, and there's nothing Lloyd can do about it. So the 10 to 20 years that Lloyd thought he had come into him is about two weeks left to live. And Lloyd doesn't believe any of this is fair, um, but Devin tells him it's a tough old world, especially for killers, especially for mad dog killers, the way that the papers are describing him. Lloyd is a big man in the world of crime. So much so that he shifted the news of the flu epidemic out east to page two. So Devins will appeal the verdict, um, but he only has seven days to file the appeal or Lloyd is basically shit out of luck. If the Capital Crime Circuit Court opts not to hear the appeal, then Devins has seven more days to petition the Supreme Court. Devins will file as late as possible to Lloyd um, to buy Lloyd some more time, but Devins thinks the Capital Crime Circuit Court will hear the appeal, and they're going to get to it quickly because this circuit court is made up of retired judges who have basically nothing better to do. So given the average age of the judges, I think is around 70, 72, 
They all abide by the code of the West. Quote, a quick trial and then up the rope. Devins will petition for a new trial, but he knows it will be turned down. Um, if they're able to present witnesses in the circuit court, Devins will recall everyone who testified at the original trial and some character witnesses for Lloyd, but it's not likely Lloyd has had any, no, um, you know, childhood or schoolyard chums because I think Lloyd dropped out in the sixth grade. He figures that the circuit court will um, turn them down, as will the Supreme Court, and probably on the same day that Devins asks for the case to be heard. So... Lloyd will go to death row at the state prison, and it will not be long before he rides the lightning. Lloyd is not sure they would really do that to him. He thinks this is all just to scare him, but Devins tells Lloyd that 40 men and women have been executed under the Markham guidelines. It costs taxpayers a little bit extra, but you know what? Uh, Society tends to enjoy capital punishment. Uh, they the, the case against Lloyd is so strong, and Lloyd looks guilty. But Devins thinks they might have a chance. As long as Lloyd isn't cocky and swaggering into the courtroom, uh, the downside to the Markham guidelines is that the swiftness in which it moves, it kind of sometimes puts off a jury. It's not like a jury says guilty, and then it's months and months before the prisoner's put to death. And these jurors have had time to put all the nasty business behind them. Some juries have returned with verdicts of not guilty, even when the person is so clearly guilty because they don't want that blood that fresh on their hands. So 40 people have been executed, but 70 have been tried under the Markham guidelines. And of the 30 not executed, 26 were found not guilty. Four convictions were actually overturned, one in South Carolina, two in Florida, and one in Alabama, and none in Arizona, of course, because these retired judges want Lloyd's butt nailed to a board. So basically, if they can't get a not guilty verdict from the jury, then Lloyd is basically finished. Um, The odds are not in his favor, but at least he has like a very slim semblance of a chance. And Devin gets right down to this. He reads Lloyd's statement to the police about Polk being crazy, that Lloyd never killed anyone. Polk did. It was all Polk's idea. Uh, Devin suggests that, you know, maybe Lloyd was scared of Polk. And Lloyd, of course, protests that he wasn't. But Devin pushes the thought that Lloyd was terrified for his life. Lloyd, bless his heart, does not catch on to what Devin's is attempting uh, to do here. And it says, this is my favorite quote of the whole chapter. It was the frown of a lad who wants to be a good student, but is having a serious problem grasping the lesson. Devin's does not want to lead Lloyd, but Lloyd makes it sound like Pope was stoned out of his mind the whole time. Lloyd says he was. They both were. Devin quickly corrects him. No, 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 no. <laughs> Only Poke was stoned. And, you know, Poke was crazy when he was stoned. Devin suggests that Poke had a gun on Lloyd several times. Lloyd, of course, says he never did. No, Poke never turned the gun on him. Um, and this is kind of an amusing back and forth because Devin is so clearly trying to make Lloyd, quote, remember that Poke was basically threatening him. Poke was a drug addict who threatened Lloyd with a gun. Clearly, he wants Lloyd to be an unwilling accomplice here. 
who went along with Polk because he feared for his life. You garner some sympathy from this jury, some semblance of doubt, then Lloyd has a chance. So yeah, it takes Lloyd a bit to catch on. He's not that bright. Um, But then Lloyd suddenly remembers that Polk told him that their guns had blanks. Nobody was more surprised than he was when the guns started firing real bullets. In fact, Lloyd was about to turn his gun on Polk when Polk was shot and killed by the man in the convenience store. Lloyd regards his lawyer with dawning hope, and he says, Mr. Devins, that's just the way the shit went down. So after this meeting is over, Lloyd is in the exercise yard, and another inmate, a large balding man named Mathers, approaches Lloyd. So Lloyd's attorney, Devins, already knows about the threat by the prison guard to knock out one of Lloyd's teeth. So... Mathers knees Lloyd in the crotch instead. Um, He tells Lloyd that it's nothing personal and that he hopes Lloyd gets out because that Markham Law is a bitch. The prison guard gives Mathers a pack of cigarettes for what he's done, and then he flips off Lloyd in the process. Lloyd, who is on the ground writhing in pain, grabbing his crotch, (laughs) he thinks to himself, it's a tough old world, Lloyd. It's a tough old world. So this chapter is pretty cut and dry. Lloyd is a celebrity now, thanks to his crime spree with Polk. He is in a max security wing in an Arizona prison, and Lloyd is enjoying this attention until he meets with his attorney and finds out just what kind of trouble he's in. And I googled Markham versus South Carolina, and I could not find a lot on this case. Um, It's an interesting law, regardless. The Constitution protects us from cruel and unusual punishment, but that doesn't include the death penalty. And then the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court decides that perhaps the long wait between conviction and death, maybe that's the cruel, unusual part. I don't know. I don't know. Given how many wrongful convictions there have been, um, how many people have been put to death despite evidence of innocence, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, But this isn't a chapter for me to spend discussing my views on the death penalty. And if you look at what Polk and Lloyd did, how many people they murdered, you know, a a whole family just for a car. And whether Lloyd pulled the trigger or not, it's heinous and maybe it's what Lloyd deserves. And maybe not. Who's to decide? Essentially, if Lloyd is found guilty at trial, he's pretty much screwed. The justice system is not going to be kind to him not only because of the Markham guidelines, but because the court that they would appeal to will be made up of a bunch of older men, men who still think that the law of the land is basically an eye for an eye. The Supreme Court, should they get that far, will likely not hear his case, and old Lloyd will be pushing up daisies by the all-star break. His attorney is going to try and make Lloyd something of a sympathetic character, but You know, using that excuse, he was threatened by Polk, afraid for his life, and Polk was crazy. He's going to lie about the guns, having blanks. Um, Polk was always stoned. And you know what? Polk is dead. So it's not like he can defend himself or tell it like it really was. It takes Lloyd a little bit longer to catch on than it should. (laughs) But once he does, he sees that this is the thread he can cling to, that tiny bit of hope that maybe he can get out of this. We are told that one of the guards is sick. Devin even mentions the flu epidemic on the East Coast. Given how quickly Captain Trips is unraveling, I do not foresee Lloyd ever making it to trial. 
But this chapter goes a long way to, um, it shows us how quickly Lloyd will change his tune and lie if it will benefit him. He wants to save his ass. And really, I mean, how many people in his shoes would not hesitate to do the same thing? Lloyd has moments of cockiness, but he never follows through with them. He'll mouth off, and then he goes silent when he's threatened. Polk did do most of the killing, but Lloyd still went along with it. He did pull the trigger. He enjoyed the ride. He is not intelligent, um, but he's also someone who seems to know who to stick with and when to run when shit goes down. So what will Lloyd's fate be when Captain Trips takes out Arizona? Will he be locked up in a cage? Will he be a free man? Is he immune? We will have to wait and find out. But speaking of free men, Nick Andros has a decision to make as Shoyo, Arkansas begins to lose his population to Captain Trips. Will he free Billy Warner and Mike Childress from the Shoyo jailhouse or will he keep them locked up for his own safety? We will find out next week with Chapter 25. And that's it for this episode. That is it for this chapter. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can leave me a rating and or a review over on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or any platform where you listen to The Circle Opens. If you would like to drop me an email and talk about uh, this chapter or any of the chapters we've read thus far, you can email me at thecirclecloses at gmail.com or you can find me on social media at The Circle Opens. And that's really it. That's all I got for you guys. Uh, short chapter, short episode. Um, this one was, it, it didn't dive too deep, but it did show us the kind of person Lloyd is. <laughs> and it's going to be really interesting to see him in a post-apocalyptic uh, America and where his uh, loyalties are going to lie. So I guess then, M-O-O-N, that spells, see you next week. <laughs>